Hello, and thank you for tuning in to our Real Life Community Church podcast. I'm Chris May, the pastor of Real Life, and I am excited to bring to you the second installment of our Advent series. And I'm actually coming to you for the second week in a row uh, from the comfort of my living room as we are still having some technical difficulties at church with our uh, recording system. So those of you who follow us on the internet and, and listen online, on on a weekly basis. This is specifically for you. I just felt like it was important for you to be able to hear these messages from our Advent series. So I want to invite you to turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 1, and we're going to begin in verse 18, be using the same scripture as we did last week. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. You know, most of us have read the Christmas story enough times, or at least we've seen a sufficient number of Christmas plays or movies to be very familiar with Emmanuel, one of the titles given to Jesus. Do we really understand the implication found in its meaning, God with us? You know, we often read through this verse in Matthew very casually, really without much consideration, but these words, God with us, are extremely weighty, and in them we find massive implications. So this title given to Jesus demands our attention. So for three Sundays leading up to Christmas, we are dedicating one message to each of these three words, God with us, with the aim of seeing and treasuring the real meaning of the season. You know, often we say, remember that Jesus is the reason for the season. But listen, I want us to do more than just remember the the reason for the season. I want us to treasure the reason for the season. And last week we looked at the word God as used here in this phrase, God with us. Because Jesus is God with us. Here's what we know. The baby lying in a manger was not just a good child or just not just a blessed child. He would not grow up just to be a prophet or just to be a great teacher. This child is literally God. The deity of Jesus Christ is a doctrine that's taught throughout the New Testament. And this is the joyful news that we celebrate at Christmas. God did not just send a committee or just a prophet or a religious leader to tell us how to get to him. He came himself to do for us what we could never, ever possibly do for ourselves, even in a million lifetimes. Jesus came to seek and save 
the lost. This is great reason to celebrate this Christmas and every day. So here's the focus this week. Not only is Jesus fully God, but he's also fully human. He is God with us. This is the doctrine of the incarnation, and it is the meaning of Christmas. And why does it matter that Jesus became fully human? Should it impact the way we live? Well, the answer is it, it, it matters a great deal, and it should very much impact the way in which we live our lives. Tim Keller, in his new book, Hidden Christmas, points out two ways in which this doctrine of the incarnation, or you could call it the doctrine of Christmas, impacts the lives of Christians. And using his book as kind of a springboard, I've done some further study, and I just want to share some of these thoughts with you. So here's the first way that Jesus becoming fully human, or the doctrine of the incarnation, really impacts the Christian life. Number one, it means a calling to a life of service. Last week, again, we, we, we addressed the fact that Jesus is God with us. He's more than a prophet. He's more than a good teacher. He is literally God. And it's incredible to think that this great God in all of his beauty and majesty would become God with us in any way, shape, or form. He became God in flesh, and that is amazing. It's unreal. But here's what's even more astounding to me. The Son of God, think about this, was not born into a, a great family of prominence or influence. He wasn't born into some kind of aristocratic family. No, he was born into a poor Jewish family with little influence. And I believe this shows that our Lord identifies not just with the rich, but with the least of us. When he was on earth, he was never, as Tim Keller points out, about glitz and glamour. He was here to do the will of the Father, to glorify Him by seeking and saving the lost. And you may say to me, what, what implications, Pastor, does this have for the way that we're to live? Well, I'm glad you asked. And the Apostle Paul kind of pulls this together for us in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 11. The Bible says that, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Having this mind among yourself, which is in yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Wow. Jesus is God the Son, and these verses speak of his preexistence. Jesus had every right to stay comfortable in a position of power and in a position of authority and complete majesty, but instead, he humbled himself and became God with us, being born into a poor Jewish family. I mean, think about this. Christ willingly took on the form of a servant and his glory became veiled. 
I want you to look with me at a, at a prophecy found in Isaiah concerning the incarnate Jesus. Isaiah 53 and verse 2. The Bible says, He had no form or majesty that we should look at Him, and no beauty that we should desire Him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Isaiah tells us here that the incarnate Jesus did not even have a human attractiveness or beauty. And then we go back to Philippians and Paul reminds us that Jesus' humility didn't stop at the manger. It continued through a life of service and obedience even to the cross. And here in Philippians, Paul is reminding believers of the life that we as Christians are called to. You know, we're not to be about glamour and fame and self-glory. We are called to empty ourselves and serve God and our fellow men. You know, it's clear here that Paul knows this temptation in every one of our lives to take care of number one, to look out for ourselves, for it to be all about me. But the closer we get to Jesus, the more we look to his example, the more we want to be about a life of serving, serving God and, and our fellow man. And, and because of our union with Christ, we have the radical ability to carry this out. J.I. Packer, in his book, Knowing God, says, quote, that there are many Christians whose ambition in life seems limited to building a nice middle-class Christian home and making nice middle-class Christian friends and bringing up their children in nice middle-class Christian ways and who leave the sub-middle-class sections of the community Christian and non-Christian, to get on by themselves. He goes on to say the Christmas spirit does not shine out in the Christian snob. I think that's worth reading again. The Christmas spirit does not shine out in the Christian snob. For the Christmas spirit is the spirit of those who, like their master, live their whole lives on the principle of making themselves poor, spending and being spent to enrich their fellow men, giving time, trouble, care, and concern to do good to others, and not just their own friends in whatever way there seems need, end quote. To the glory of God, you and I are called to be about kingdom work. This is what we see in the incarnation, God with us. God in flesh, God with us, means that we should never live for the glory of self but that we should empty ourselves and live for the glory of God. And in this, by declaration and by demonstration, we are to take care of the spiritual and physical needs of other people. And, and again, I'll say it over and over, all to the glory of God. And by the way, we're growing in this as a local church body, and this just really delights my heart to, to see our, our church growing in their love and affection for other people. No matter what they've done, no matter where they've been, regardless of their social class or their pedigree, um, we, we love people, and, and I love that our church wants to serve all people uh, to the glory of God. You know, the, the Christmas spirit is to remember the massive love that Christ has shown us through becoming God with us. And to be in the Christmas spirit is to love God and it's to love people in a radical way through and because our union with Christ. 
all to his glory. So the doctrine of the incarnation impacts the Christian life first because it means we're called to a life of service. And secondly, and this is extremely good news, it means comfort in a lifetime of suffering. In this world, listen to me, Christian or not, we will suffer. John 16, 33, Jesus says, I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I've overcome the world. I mean, this is Jesus. He says, listen, Christian or not, you will have trouble in this world. You will experience suffering. You will have tribulation. But he said, through it all, you can have peace in me because I've already overcome the world. Uh, suffering is a normal part of life. We read in Acts chapter 14, verse 22, that Paul tells the new disciples that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. 2 Corinthians 4, 16, Paul again writing, now the church at Corinth says, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Hey, do you feel like that today? Do you feel the, the, the weight of that verse? Do you feel the reality of that verse, that your outer self is wasting away? Well, Paul encouraged us and, and, and said that's normal, but our inner self is being renewed day by day. And I think it's helpful to remember that we are not alone in suffering. We all, at times in our lives, often, I would even dare to say, experience different types of suffering. And so it's important to remember that, that we are not alone. I know it's easy to feel isolated in moments of suffering, in, in moments where we feel weak and vulnerable, but it's important to remember that there are people all across the world that are experiencing things like just like you're going through. Now let me tie this back in to the, the message today, God with us. One of the names that Isaiah calls Jesus in, in Isaiah 9-6 is Wonderful Counselor. As a matter of fact, let me just read that to you. Isaiah 9-6 says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Well, in what way is Jesus Wonderful Counselor? Think about this. When we walk through times of trials and suffering and tribulation, it is immensely comforting to talk to someone who's been through what we're now going through, especially if they've come out on the other side. I mean, it's, it's just extremely uh, encouraging to talk to people like this. Let me give you an example. Uh, my struggle with manic depression has given me an incredible power to comfort other people. When people experience depression or, or any other kind of mental health disorder, often they go to therapists who are knowledgeable, and I encourage that, but, but it's, it's difficult sometimes because uh, many times those counselors have never personally experienced extreme clinical depression or bouts of mania or, or whatever it might be. And so there's this kind of a disconnect and, and, and you're sitting there thinking, this person really doesn't understand what I'm going through. They have great knowledge and they have great advice. And, and I encourage you to, to see somebody if you're struggling with that. But, but, but the point is, we like to talk to people who have been through what we've been through. And the Lord has used me and my experience with this illness to comfort those who are struggling 
uh, I, I can say I've been there. I, I really do know what you're feeling and what you're going through. And this has been extremely helpful in ministry because these mental health disorders are really an epidemic in, in our world today. I mean, anxiety and depression, so on and so forth. You know, if you've struggled with an illness, it's you know it's extremely comforting to to talk to somebody who has been there and who has come out on the other side. If you have uh, lost a loved one, it's extremely helpful to talk to somebody who has lost maybe uh, someone close to them as well, uh, even recently, and, and and God's kind of brought them through that. If you've been through divorce, it's a great example. You know, it's one of the most painful things you can go through in this life, and, and it, it can turn your life upside down. And it's so helpful to talk to other people who have been uh, through divorce and by God's grace have made it through. And, and so we all like to talk to people. It's comforting to talk to people who have been through what we're going through, who have suffered and who can understand and kind of sympathize with our pain. Now let's bring this back to Jesus. Jesus is an incredible comfort to us in suffering. He is a wonderful counselor because he knows what it is to suffer. Think about this. Have you been betrayed? So has Jesus. Have you been mocked and ridiculed? So has Jesus. Have you experienced extreme injustice? So is Jesus. Jesus suffered, remember, to the point of torture and even death. Do you know what it feels like to have an unanswered prayer? So does Jesus. Remember in the garden, he prayed, if there be any other way, let this cup pass. But ultimately he prays, not my will, but yours be done. Do you know what it's like to feel forsaken by God? So does Jesus. Remember, he cries out on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And isn't it wonderful to know that we have a Savior who can sympathize with us in our suffering? He feels our pain. He has compassion on us because he's been there. To quote Dr. Keller again, he says, if God has really been born in a manger, then we have something that no other religion even claims to have. It's a God who truly understands you from the inside of your experience. There's no other religion that says God has suffered, that God had to be courageous, that he knows what it's like to be abandoned by friends, to be crushed by injustice, to be tortured and die. Christmas shows he knows what you're going through. When you talk to him, he understands. Now listen, I don't claim to have all the answers to questions about evil and suffering. However, I do know this. We have a God who knows what it's like to suffer. And I know that he, we can cast our cares upon him because he really does care for us. And he really does understand the depths of what we're going through. Jesus, wonderful counselor, is a tremendous comfort in suffering. Don't ever feel like you're praying to a God who doesn't understand your pain. He knows the, the pain of suffering. He knows the, the feelings that you are going through, maybe even right now. In closing, I want to share a story with you uh, that, that the late radio broadcaster Paul Harvey told. He, he says this, the man to whom I'm going to introduce you to was not a Scrooge. He was a kind, decent, mostly good man, generous to his family, upright in his dealings with other men. 
but he just didn't believe in all that incarnation stuff, which the churches proclaim at Christmas time. It just didn't make sense, and he was too honest to pretend otherwise. He just couldn't swallow the Jesus story about God coming to earth as a man. I'm truly sorry to distress you, he told his wife, but I'm not going to church with you this Christmas Eve. He said, I'd feel like a hypocrite, that he'd much rather just stay home, but that he would wait up for them. And so he stayed and and they went to the midnight service. Shortly after the family drove away in the car, snow began to fall and he went to the window to watch the flurries getting heavier and heavier. And then he went back to his fireside chair and began to read his newspaper. Minutes later, he was startled by a thudding sound and then another and then another, sort of a thump or a thud. At first, he thought someone must be throwing snowballs against his living room window. But when he went to the front door to investigate, he found a flock of birds huddled miserably in the snow. They'd been caught in the storm and in desperate search for shelter had tried to fly through this large, his large landscape window. Well, he couldn't let the poor creatures lie there and freeze, so he remembered the barn where his children stabled their pony. That would provide them a warm shelter if he could direct the birds to it. And quickly, he put on his coat and rubber boots, and he began to move through the deepening snow to the barn. He opened the doors wide and turned on a light, but the birds didn't come in. He figured food wouldn't entice them, so he hurried back to the house, fetched breadcrumbs, sprinkled them on the snow, making a trail to the yellow-lighted, uh, wide-open doorway of the stable. But to his dismay, the birds ignored the breadcrumbs and continued to flap around helplessly in the snow. He tried catching them. He tried shooing them into the barn by walking around them, waving his arms. Instead, they scattered in every direction except into the warm-lighted barn. And then he realized that they were afraid of him. To them, he reasoned, I'm a strange and terrifying creature. If only I could think of some way to let them know that they can trust me, that I'm not going to try to hurt them, but to help them. But how? Because any move he tended to, to make would frighten them, confuse them. They just would not follow. They would not be led or, or shooed because they feared him. If only... I could be a bird, he thought to himself, and mingle with them and speak their language. Then I could tell them not to be afraid. Then I could show them the way to safe, warm, to the safe, warm barn. But I would have to be one of them so they could see and hear and understand. At that moment, the church bells began to ring. and The sound reached his ears above the sounds of the wind. And he stood there listening to the bells ringing the glad tidings of Christmas. And he sank to his knees in the snow. That's a powerful story, isn't it? To those of you who do not have a relationship with God, I hope you see in the Christmas story that Jesus went to infinite lengths to get to us. He knew that we could never possibly save ourselves. We could never possibly get to him. In and of ourselves, we could never appease the wrath of God, nor would, could we meet the demands of his righteousness. So since we could never get to him, out of massive, incredible love, he came down to us, was born into a manger, and was, was obedient to the cross. And through his sacrifice, God himself has provided the only means through him 
which his wrath can be appeased and sinful man can be reconciled to him. Maybe you're here and listening to this and, and you're kind of like those birds in the story. You're fight, flying around desperately looking for a warm place, looking for hope, looking for a way to save yourself and you keep coming up short. It's impossible. Today there's hope for you. There's warmth. There is, there is hope. There is grace. There is salvation in Jesus Christ. So I encourage you today, if you've never trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, would you call upon the name of the Lord today? Believe in Him. Confess Him as Lord. Repent of your sin and turn to God. What a great day this will be for you. If I can help you in any way, uh, walk you through that in, in, in any way, shape, or form, I, I would love for you to email me. You can reach out to me at uh, chrismay at myrealchurch.org. Now let me talk to Christians that may be listening. For us, God with us means a life of selflessness, a life lived for God's glory glory, and a, and a radical concern for other people. And I just challenge you, remember this Christmas, that it's not about us and our cute little middle-class Christian families. We're called to love other people radically. We're called to love God radically. And then God with us also means an incredible comfort in suffering. Do you feel alone through the holiday season? You know, I know that the holiday season uh, at Christmas time, it can be lonely for many people. And it can be sad for many people because they, they think about people who they've lost. They, they think about things they've lost. And those things are kind of magnified at Christmas time. But you and I, even through those trials and tribulations and times of suffering, can experience great joy in Jesus Christ who is our wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Would you call upon the precious name of Jesus today in your time of suffering? Thank you so much for listening. If you do not have a home church, I invite you to join us this coming Sunday for part three of this series at Real Life Community Church. Uh, we are at 335 Glendon Avenue in Richmond, and you can visit our website for more information at myrealchurch.org. I hope to see you at 1045 Sunday morning. Thank you for listening. Have a great week and Merry Christmas.